0: Alert
1: medic one, respond. Box area 2, one two, one. You're listening to the Alert Medic One podcast, the premier emergency medical services podcast, with your hosts Mustafa Sadiq and Ken Sanner. trauma triad is hypovolemia leads to uh, either you know acidosis and hypothermia which then stops clotting from occurring correct which then Mm -hmm. causes that kind of downward spiral
2: right so um, there's a couple many ways to become hypothermic so you can become hypothermic by infusion of non-warm fluids. You can become hypothermic with a traumatic amputation with exposed vessels. And just the same way people, when they're on dialysis and their blood gets circulated out of their body, the blood can get cooled. I mean, if you have exposed burn surfaces or traumatic amputations, vascular beds that are exposed to the environment, even on what we perceive to be a relatively warm spring day, patients will still become quickly hypothermic. Uh, So hypothermia Coagulopathy. I mean, you consume all your clotting products at the site of injury. Uh, and then on top of that, if you give too much fluid, you dilute any residual clotting factors, uh, and then acidosis, uh, very multifactorial, but as you become hypovolemic, hypoperfused, you generate more lactate and and become more acidic and in an acidic environment, many of your enzymes that help with clotting stop working. So we could talk about that. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What do you think? I like it. Yeah. Cool. And then, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that's good. I, I don't have anything else that I would, that I wanted to bring up.
2: Oh. <clears throat> I got to make my voice deeper. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. We're good. Welcome to, back to the Alert Medic One podcast. My name is Mustafa Siddiq I have uh, Dr. Ritberg and Ken with me. Bye. Today, we are going to be discussing TXA, transcemic acid. Uh, so doc, I think we, let's go into the, you know, the basic normal physiology of things before we dive into the other stuff.
2: Yeah, so absolutely. So TXA is known as an antifibrinolytic, antifibrinolytic uh, versus its polar opposite TPA, which is a fibrinolytic. So TXA uh, doesn't actually form clot. It helps maintain clot. And um, what happens uh, when you have injury is you form clot by really three things. Uh, at the site of injury, Uh, platelets rushing to the site of injury, clotting factors, and fibrin. And fibrin is actually formed from a precursor called fibrinogen. And the formation of fibrin from fibrinogen is uh, helped by something called thrombin. Again, we'll show this on our website. We'll put a picture of this. Um, What's important to remember is that every time you have a site of injury and you're forming clot, in the lining of your vessels, there's always a competing process to kind of break down that clot. And breakdown of clot is mediated largely by the combination of TPA binding to plasmin in your blood. And when TPA and plasmin bind, they bind to fibrin, which is at the core of your clot, and break down fibrin, okay? So how does TXA work? TXA binds to plasminogen and prevents it from binding to and activating TPA, and because TPA and plasmid can't join together and become activated. You can't break down fibrin at the core of your clot. So, so an important point to remember is that TXA preserves clot. It doesn't actually form clot. It preserves clot that is formed through basic clotting mechanisms, which involve the combination of platelets, clotting factors, and fibrin. Uh, so it's a clot preservation medication. So with that all being said, Doc, Since TXA
0: is a clot preserver, not a uh, clot creator, is there less likelihood or less danger of it causing uh, clots in the body, which could cause other harm uh, that, you know, clots that we don't want there, such as a PE?
2: Yeah, so um, that that would probably be a good segue to the biggest trial that looked at the use of TXA. It was called the CRASH-2 trial. Uh, the long name of the trial was the effects of transexamic acid on death, vascular occlusive events, and blood transfusion in trauma patients with significant hemorrhage, CRASH-2. Uh, it was a randomized placebo-controlled trial. It was published in a journal called Lancet in 2010, and they basically looked at um, the risk of dying. So, so let's just go into the specifics. It was a controlled trial that uh, looked at either administration of TXA, were a placebo to trauma patients who had or were at significant risk of hemorrhage. It included over 20,000 patients, and the patients that received TXA had a significant reduction in all-cause mortality at four weeks after injury. So if we looked at how many were dead after four weeks, 14.5% in the TXA group, versus 16% in the placebo group. That's a 10% reduction or a 1.5% absolute reduction. And then uh, risk of death from bleeding, placebo group was 5.7%, TXA group 4.9%, and that represents about a 15% reduction in risk of death from bleeding. And they went on to look at the risk of, Ken, what you were asking, thrombotic events. So if I give this clot-preserving medication to somebody to stop them from bleeding, am I, in turn, going to give them a DVT, a PE, a coronary thrombosis, an MI? And there were actually no significant uh, increase rates of any of those things. Um, There uh, were really very few to no adverse events ascribed to the use of TXA. there was an increased rate of seizures in patients um, getting high doses of TXA, which had been seen in prior studies of cardiac surgery patients that got high dose TXA. And we're talking about those patients that had seizures uh, got doses so uh, far beyond the one gram that we would use in the field. Um, so, uh, you know, the gist of the, T- the CRASH 2 trial was that uh, there was a statistically significant reduction in death at four weeks after injury and a statistically significant risk of death from hemorrhage uh, without an increased risk of thrombotic events like PE, DVT, MI, stroke.
1: So what does that mean for, so I I know that many systems use it. I know the military uses it for a medical director or, you know, senior leadership in a uh, EMS system that are thinking about adding TXA to their formulary. What, What does that mean for them?
2: So I think the, the first thing uh, when any system thinks about introducing TXA is to remember, you know, that when you, you have a hammer in your hand, everything looks like a nail and that TXA is not the primary therapy for massive hemorrhage. It's an adjunctive therapy. And we have to go back to basics. Massive hemorrhage, treatment of massive hemorrhage starts with rapid application of a proximal tourniquet or a a tourniquet two to three inches above uh, of the site of of massive hemorrhage, Mm -hmm. if you can see where it is. Uh, Two, uh, direct pressure. And if you have combat gauze on your medic unit, use of combat gauze. Um, Other routine resuscitative measures, uh, usually spelled out in the March mnemonic that we treat massive hemorrhage, airway, respiration, circulation, uh, uh, hypothermia. Um, And that TXA kind of enters after those core things are done. Uh, and, um, for those of you that are wondering, the dose is usually one gram and hundred mLs of NS or LR given over 10 minutes as quickly as possible after the time of injury. And uh, we want to give it within three hours, uh, TXA should not be given after three hours. Um, people that got TXA after the three hour marker from injury actually had worse outcomes. Uh, in, in our EMS systems, typically, if we're going to give it, we're going to give it on our way to the hospital or, or, or shortly after we have patient contact and do those other critical um, you know, time-sensitive life-saving maneuvers. But again, the key thing to remember as far as implementation from a medical director's perspective is I think there has to be a very, very critical reiteration of good fundamental stop-the-bleed basic hemorrhage control maneuvers come first. Much like when we talked about airway, We do basic airway management first with, you know, adjuncts and BVM. There's a very kind of parallel thought process here is that you have to do all the other stuff like, you know, get yourself out of harm, get the patient out of harm, rapidly apply tourniquet, direct pressure, combat gauze if you have it, resuscitation, warm the patient, rapid transport, and then once you have your IV access, if you have TXA in your system, uh, a gram in 100 mls of NS or LR over 10 minutes uh, does show a reduction immortality mortality at four weeks, and a reduction in mortality from uh, death from hemorrhage.
0: One of the other things I thought was interesting about TXA is it's really not just a trauma drug, right? This is a drug that's used in postpartum hemorrhage. It's used uh, in surgery patients. Um, and, And while it's kind of new to EMS, at least in the United States, it's not a new drug overall, right? And it's actually on the World Health Organization's list of essential medications that any healthcare system should have. So this is a pretty versatile medication we're talking
2: about. Yeah, this is nothing new. So in, in researching for this podcast, you know, interesting things I came across. In Japan, women can buy it over-the-counter for heavy menstrual bleeding. Uh, In the U.S., uh, frequently given to patients um, as they're getting their knees replaced in the operating room to prevent hemarthrosis and bleeding into their joints. uh, It's been around a very, very long time. Um, It's nothing new, uh, but we're finding an application, a useful application for it uh, in the EMS realm, uh, particularly in light of the sad world that we live in with, uh, you know, what appears to be an increasing rate of penetrating trauma, uh, particularly uh, at non-compressible sites uh, where this may actually have more benefit uh, than the sites, the, the extremities where we can throw a tourniquet.
0: And also not expensive uh, when you look at it compared to so, some
1: other medications that are out there. Right. That's what I was going to ask. I didn't know if we had an average cost, uh, but, I mean, it,
2: it's, not, it's not expensive. Uh, we, we stock it, you know, in our hospitals uh, in our massive transfusion protocol box. And uh, unlike other drugs, which the pharmacy is quick to restrict and pull back because of expense, uh, TXA has never been one of those drugs.
1: I'm curious, the, in Japan, what's the route of administration for the OTC?
2: uh in the uh for, for menstrual bleeding yeah. bleeding i believe it's oral oral yeah. okay yeah, yeah. It, i i have never been to japan and talked to a menstruating woman you haven't uh, but but <laughs> Why? Uh, my, my, i'll i'll get on that yeah. uh, and report back research uh, for the uh, yeah. could be
1: n- not covered not ex- you can't expense yeah. it we're could, not gonna... <laughs> could be our next interview
2: actually my pa that i work with told me today she's taking two weeks off to go to japan so maybe i'll Give her research. some homework to yeah. talk to some of her fellow menstruating. If only she
1: was a resident, you could force her to do it. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> She'll do it anyway. She's nice. Um, all right. So where were we? We were talking about, uh. You know, so why would, uh, so where we work, it's still not in our protocol. Uh, what would be some reasons why we are not utilizing it why? from a clinical standpoint? Yeah. From a clinical standpoint. Because uh, so I'll be honest with you. I've heard that, uh, you know from the EMS grapevine, which is always reliable, uh, that there's been grumblings at our local trauma centers that the trauma surgeons have not wanted have not bought in and they don't want to give it pre-hospital. So just, I'm just, I, I, that could or may or may not be true. I'm just curious if it is, what are some, you know, putting on the opposite, opposite shoe on, why would this not be a great idea?
2: You know, I, um, the, the medical directors committee that i sit on for my jurisdiction uh, our medical director who is a, a, a trauma surgeon um strongly advocates for the use of TXA um i in my research um cannot find a compelling reason uh, maybe other than you know prohibitive cost um to not stock TXA on medic units uh there's very little risk and uh fairly significant benefit if if given early after time of injury Uh, there was one study uh, after crash 2 so there's been a couple studies after crash 2 there was a subgroup uh, analysis uh, published in 2011 from the crash 2 trial uh, that showed the benefit of giving you know txa early Uh, there was a third trial called the matters trial that was published in the archives of surgery in 2012 Uh, that showed uh, the benefit of TXA in military situations, particularly uh, in patients that require massive transfusion. And then there was yet another uh, trial, a fourth trial, uh, looking at uh, the use of TXA published in the Annals of Surgery in 2015. And it specifically looked at TXA use in severely injured civilian patients. And uh, it was a prospective study of severely injured adult patients with a very high injury severity score, admitted to a civilian trauma system uh, in which patients got TXA and it showed, uh, there were 160 patients in the trial and, uh, most, uh, were severely injured, shocked and coagulopathic on arrival to the trauma center. And it showed that TXA was not independently associated with any change in outcome for either the overall or non-shocked cohort of patients. But then they did a multivariate analysis and TXA was independently associated with a reduction in multi-organ failure and was protective for patients that were shocked in shock states and so the outcome of this civilian study in 2015 in the annals of surgery was that uh, TXA should be considered a part of a major hemorrhage protocol in a civilian trauma system and the greatest benefit was for the most severely injured patients that were in shock Uh, again I, i read that study and and i see kind of on the balance of risk versus benefit uh only potential benefit Uh, I don't know why uh, a trauma center would not advocate for an EMS system that saw a fair amount of penetrating uh, trauma or or blunt trauma with significant bleeding to not stock TXA. Um, I think, again, some medical directors have the fear that providers will jump to TXA and overlook uh, proven basic hemorrhage control measures like tourniquet application and direct application. Uh, But I I would go back and ask the folks that you've heard that through the grapevine from what their thought process is, because I'd like to know.
0: Yeah, one of the the only things I could think uh, that that does kind of speak to what you just said is, you know, it might incentivize some people to sit on scene a little longer than they should trying to fish out an IV and administer the drug. Or if they had real close proximity to the trauma center, uh, they may delay transport in order to give the medication. You know, hopefully our clinicians are are more well-educated than that for the most part. But, uh, you know, that's certainly, I guess, a a possibility. Are there any absolute contraindications to the administration of
2: TXA? So um, there are contraindications. I'll read you from the package insert. Um, One is a caution or a contraindication to giving TXA to people with acquired defective color vision. Now, you tell me when you respond to that patient with a gunshot wound, are you going to say, hey, listen, um, how's your vision? Any color vision deficits before you give t- TXA? I-, I guess if you're a stellar paramedic, uh, but that's a contraindication. Uh, two, um, if you have active intravascular clotting, again, is that really practical to ask that patient uh, in Dayton or wherever the last shooting was, uh, do, you, do you have active intravascular clotting? Third is, like any drug, hypersensitivity or allergy to TXA. Really? Come on. Uh, And then actually, the last thing is subarachnoid hemorrhage, Uh, again, because of the uh, potential for TXA, particularly at high dose to cause seizures. Again, I'm a realist. I'm a pragmatic pre-hospital practitioner. Uh, Those are interesting. Uh, If I have somebody with a um, a life-threatening hemorrhage and I had TXA at my disposal, I'm giving them a gram in 100 cc's over 10 minutes as soon as possible.
0: Yeah. It doesn't really sound like there's anything there that in the realistic sense is going to be a major hindrance to administering it in the field. You know, you get somebody who's been kicked in the abdomen by a horse and you're an hour away from the trauma center. I'm probably not going to sit there like you said and
2: ask, well, you know, do you have any color vision problems, you know? And, and you may be, I mean, I, I think any good state protocol is going to write those contraindications into a protocol and, and and urge the pre-hospital provider to ask those questions.
1: That's like narrow uh, angle glaucoma for mm-hmm. versus, yeah. Yeah, right. you, you gotta You got to,
2: you know, um, I, I think when there's any doubt, we, we always urge our providers locally to obtain base station consultation. If you have somebody, I think, with an acquired color vision defect that got kicked in the abdomen by a horse and is suspected of having an intra-abdominal hemorrhage and hemorrhagic shock. I, as a provider, I probably get on the radio and consult and and talk to, uh, you know, your online medical control to see if they recommend it or not. You know, it's, it's also worth stating that uh, TXA is in the TCCC guidelines, which I think uh, more and more um, of our, our jurisdictions and providers are becoming familiar with. Again, in the day and age that we live in, it appears in the uh, tactical field care section, which is kind of like the warm zone section. Uh, And it explicitly says if a casualty is anticipated to need significant blood transfusion, for example, if they have hemorrhagic shock, one or more major amputations, penetrating torso trauma, or evidence of severe bleeding, give one gram of TXA and 100 mLs of fluid as soon as possible, but not later than three hours after injury. And uh, there's also a recommendation, uh, more so in uh, protracted uh, transport time, to begin the second infusion of a gram uh, of TXA, and usually that's given over eight hours. Um, and it's, again, just as a reminder, when you, you re- learn the MARCH mnemonic, massive hemorrhage, airway, respiration, circulation, hypothermia, or head injury, uh, that's in the C section. And it's good to remember that because the M section is your tourniquets and your direct pressure. Uh, C is, is further down the line. And, and so, again, we don't jump the TXA off the bat when somebody has massive hemorrhage. We do our other time-sensitive, uh, life-saving interventions like tourniquet application and direct pressure.
0: So do we want to talk a little bit about what some of the real killers are in patients with massive hemorrhage? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. And I do want to go into a uh, number needed to treatment. Maybe we can discuss that first, and then we'll dive into Yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Finish yeah, so up I, with that. I
2: think that uh, you know one of the missions of, of this podcast and, and our, or, our group is to kind of elevate the state of pre-hospital education. And one of the things that we've talked about amongst ourselves uh, is to kind of teach people how to read papers a little more critically. And, and analyze the evidence out there and so I think maybe the uh, one little pearl will give our listeners today regarding uh, critical analysis of, of some of the literature we can look at the crash 2 trial and one of the things that you can easily calculate whenever you uh, look at a trial is something called the number needed to treat and so what does that mean it means how many patients do I have to give this intervention to to cause a better outcome, effectively treat one patient. So, so in the crash two trial, how many patients do I have to give TXA to, to prevent one patient from dying at the four week marker or within four weeks or from dying of massive hemorrhage. And, And the number needed to treat in the crash trial is 67. And just for our listeners, I'll, I'll tell you how, how we got there. So, um, the reduction in mortality in the crash trial in the placebo group, it was 16. In the TXA group, it was 14.5%. And if you just take 16% minus 14.5%, you get 0.015. And 1 over 0.15 is equal to 67. So the number needed to treat is equal to 1 over the absolute risk reduction. So the absolute risk reduction is simply the subtraction of the 16% minus the 14. percent So the 16.5, 16% mortality in people that didn't get TXA versus the 14.5% in the patients that did get TXA. Uh, And then you do the inverse of that, and it's the number needed to treat, and it's 67. So again, you need to treat 67 patients with TXA to get one favorable outcome from TXA. Um, Certainly the lower the number needed to treat, the more you probably want to latch on to that therapy faster. Uh, But, but one other thing to remember when you analyze the literature is to make sure that the results have been reproduced. Um, So you never want to lock on to one single trial. Um, You want to make sure that the scientific findings have been reproduced and validated. Uh, And again, in crash two, the number needed to treat is 67 patients.
1: What are some, uh, so just uh, for reference, and I'm actually searching it right now, what are some uh, number needed to treat values for other common?
2: Uh, so, so let's look it up. Yeah, so look, yeah. up, look up number needed to treat with like aspirin for MI.
1: Uh, let's see here. Or what do you, what uh, do you have pulled up? Just, the first thing I have is ACLS medications for cardiac arrest. That's probably not a good one. Um, aspirin for cardiovascular prevention is uh, 1 in 50. Uh, one in 50 was helped for cardiovascular problem, prevented one in 333 was, were helped for preventing death. Um, and one in 77 were helped for prevented, not non-fatal heart attack.
2: Yeah. So, so go to that last statistic, uh, number needed to treat was 77. Okay. So that, that, that's a, think about, um, how many chest pain calls you go on where you administer aspirin. So the number needed to treat is 77. Okay. So you need to give aspirin 77 times to um, uh, yield one benefit in, in one patient at some point during your course of uh, being a paramedic compared to the number needed to treat with TXA, 67. But then again, you see many more patients with chest pain and ACS than you probably do with penetrating trauma. So you will get to that 77th patient quicker with all the aspirin you dish out yeah. versus getting to the 67th patient with TXA. Yeah. That said, you don't know in that series of 77 patients with MI, or these 67 patients with penetrating or exsanguinating trauma, is it gonna be the first patient or the 67th patient? But but it's a, it's a good way to understand the power of the benefit of the drug or intervention that you're giving.
1: It's, it's uh, so it's, uh, I'd looked up another one. Uh, early endovascular thrombectomy for large vessel ischemic stroke reduces disability at 90 days. Uh, the number needed to treat one in 2.6, wow yeah yeah that's wow. so I did I actually didn't know about number needed to treat until I went to one of the co- local conferences and the physician explained what it was and it like blew my mind uh, one in 2.6 that's pretty uh, for uh, less disabled at 90 days and then one in five were helped achieve functional independence at 90 days that's pretty impressive yeah, yeah. I mean I know this isn't the stroke it, talk but. And, and
2: so but but let's just go there for a sec. so I mean that that right there that data uh, should be compelling to, If you don't already have in your EMS system, have a system by which your pre-hospital care providers could potentially differentiate between a stroke in a more distal artery versus an LVO, a large vessel occlusion in a proximal artery that is amenable to a neurointervention and clot retrieval. And and you guys know how you differ. I think you do this in, in the city you so work. So like right? lambs, yeah. right? Like very lamb, good. Yeah. Yeah, right. And yeah, do, you, do do you know what the detail is on lambs? Oh man,
1: now he's going to embarrass me. No, okay. you can, you can explain it to us. Stomp the chump here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh,
2: a lambs greater than or equal to four is uh, more tightly associated with the patient having a potential LVO, large vessel occlusion, and um, those patients, if if possible in your EMS system, should be triaged to a center. That is a comprehensive stroke center that is capable of performing a neurointerventional procedure. Uh, yeah. So a, NIH scale, if you use that, greater than six or a lamp score greater than or equal to four, is is more tightly associated with the potential for the presence of a large vessel clot.
0: Yeah, no, I was just going to say, and and with those large vessel occlusions and the. Uh, the interventional services offered by these uh, comprehensive stroke centers, the window for treatments actually a little bit bigger too, right? You've got f-
2: five, to 24, 24, 24 hours, 24 hours. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and this is, we're going to, I'm going to blow your mind right now. We're coming full circle. What are we giving these patients TPA? Mm-hmm. So one of the other critical things I think for our, our audience to remember is that uh, you can still bring a patient to a primary stroke center where they administer TPA. And they can do neuroimaging. And if they see, still see a large vessel occlusion, that patient can go on to have a neurointervention. The administration of TPA does not preclude a patient from transfer to a comprehensive stroke center mm. and a, uh, a neurointerventional procedure to receive a clot. Um, so TPA here, again, how does the TPA work? Binds to plasminogen. The TPA-plasminogen combination binds to fibrin which is at the core of your clot and starts breaking up your fibrin into what's called fibrin degradation products, okay? And just to come full circle, TXA binds to plasminogen, prevents it from binding to and activating TPA and dissolving that clot by keeping fibrin intact. So TPA is a fibrinolytic, TXA is an anti-fibrinolytic. Um, and and it's, it's a, I think it's a nice, if, if, you, if you teach in pre-hospital care, uh, teach a paramedic program, even basic EMT programs where they have to kind of triage patients with stroke to kind of uh, educate our providers to kind of the mirror image of TPA versus TXA because uh, there are progressive EMS systems with long transport times that do administer TPA in the field uh, under tight medical direction. So I was down in Disney World in Florida. Flo- there's, there's medic units that have CT scanners in them. Yeah,
1: and they have it in Jersey. Yeah, yeah. And, and
2: they scan them and they give TPA in the field.
1: I think it's uh, a good thing to wrap up. Ken, you got anything?
2: I got nothing. I think
0: this was a great discussion. I'm really glad to be here with both of you today to do this.
2: You, you got anything else? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say this enough. If you um, say a White Claw comment, I'm going to... No, no, no. Drink, drink White Claw. Get the Variety Pack. It'll change your life. I'm a better person for it. We are not it.
1: endorsed by this. We, we are not, by the <laughs> <laughs> way.
2: I just just putting it out there. Right. Uh, yeah. Take the White Claw banner down. Um... <laughs> Just remember the basics. There, there's so much, there's so many parallels between what we discussed today and our airway, our airway talks. Don't forget the basics. If you are given TXA, if you're fortunate to have an EMS system where you're given TXA in your drug stock, don't forget the basics Take, you know, first of all, protect yourself, Stay out of harm's way, uh, or make sure you're qualified to go into a area where there may be harm, uh, and, and, and tourniquets and direct pressure are always going to be your one, two punch and TXA comes later but should be given in a timely fashion.
1: Thank you guys for listening in. Um, as always, please be sure to uh, give us a rating on whichever podcast app that you guys use. Feel free to, well, please uh, visit alertmedic1.com. Give us a like on Facebook at uh, AlertMedic1. Uh, Twitter is alert underscore medic1. Um, please tell your friends. Give us a, a like, a review. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, thank you very much. That's all for now. See you everybody. Take care. You've been listening to the Alert Medic One podcast, the premier emergency medical services podcast with your hosts, Mustafa Sadiq and Ken Sanner.